You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. Man, I'm grateful today that my buddy Tyler is going to be preaching this morning. And I just wanted to introduce him in case some of you don't know who he is. He's our student coordinator here, and if you don't have a teenager, then you might not even know because they do their own thing, have their own fun, and they learn about Jesus their own way, um, and Tyler does an amazing job along with his leaders to, to just pour into our teenagers. He pours into our students, and the, the goal for them is the same goal for us, is to know God's love, to grow mm-hmm. in God's love, and to show God's love to the world. And while we get to meet here on Sunday mornings, they meet in the gym on Sunday nights and have a lot of fun. And I've said this before, but I've, I've been there and the students told me I could no longer come back because I'm not cool enough, but they still let Tyler come back. So he is cool. And I just wanted to introduce him to you and let you know that, man, he has a heart for Jesus. He's chasing after Jesus. And that's what we want from our leaders that are leading our next generation. Amen. We want them to be chasing after Jesus, and I know that this man is doing that. So I just want y'all to to prepare your hearts, and I'm just going to say a quick prayer, and then he's going to jump in and take it over. God, I pray that our hearts and minds are are focused on you. God, I pray that your spirit speaks through Tyler this morning. Change hearts, change lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys. Is it on? Yeah, there we go. So as Dustin said, my name is Tyler. I am the student coordinator here at Impact Church. Um, I've been here almost as long as the church launched. I came a few weeks after the church started. So I've just been so thankful um, for the opportunity that Dustin is giving me here um, just to bring the word, um, to really share my heart and to really share what God has done in my life. Um, So before we get started, we're going to go and pray again, guys. So let's pray. Dear Lord, just thank you for this day, God. Thank you that we're able just to have a place to meet and to know you, God, and to grow in your love, God. I pray that as we we hear this message and as I continue to speak your word, God, that your spirit can move in this room, that it can touch someone's heart, God, that someone can learn today something that they've never learned before, God, that it'll carry with them the rest of their life, God. I pray that you can just be evident in this room and evident in what I have to say, God, and just speak through me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there are actually going to be a few times in my message where I'm going to ask you guys to repeat something. So we're going to go and start. Everyone say good morning. morning. There we go. Everyone say Tyler is better than Dustin. There we go. Sorry, Dustin, but the church has spoken. So we've already got that figured out, and we're going to be kind of diving into today more of what God's love looks like for us. Um, See, there are two big events that the Christian faith is really focused on. The first one is the death of Jesus Christ. The second is the resurrection. Like, those are the two big events that our Christian faith is grounded on, is based on, is built upon. Um, So we're going to be diving into those. And the question I always have when I hear about that is, why did Jesus do it, right? Why did Jesus choose to die for us? Why did Jesus choose to go through this pain, to go through this suffering, And the question and the answer for me is very simple. Jesus loves us, right? 
Jesus loves us enough to go through this. Jesus loves us enough to choose this situation and to say, I'm going to do that for you. Jesus loves us enough to go through the ultimate pain, to go through the ultimate sacrifice for us. Now, growing up, I was very fortunate to have a phenomenal grandmother, right? She's actually sitting right here. So I remember growing up, she, no matter what we did that day, no matter whatever we did, she always had to pray with me before I went to sleep. She'd always say, good night, and then we'd pray. Because from a, a very, sorry, from a very early age, she wanted me to know that God loved me. From a very early age, she wanted me to know that God died for me, and that sank into my heart. That sank into what I believe today and what I want you guys to believe and to know, that it doesn't matter what's going on, God loves you, right? So we're going to be diving into Luke chapter 15, which is one of Jesus' most famous parables. Now, if you don't know what the word parable means, it is a type of teaching that Jesus used to do where he would teach with a story, right? Um, and this is the story of the hundred sheep. And we start off in Luke chapter 15 in verse 4, and it says this, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and family and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, the first thing I think of when I read this is, that doesn't make any sense to me. If I have 100 sheep and I lose one, I'm calling them stupid and I'm leaving them, right? Like, he can go do whatever he wants to do. That's too much effort for me to go chase him. But Jesus says no. He says that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to chase after the one, the one who was lost, the one who was broken, the one who needs God. And as I begin to break this down, the job of the shepherd here isn't just to watch over the sheep. It is also to protect the sheep. Right? When we think of David growing up, we think of how David killed a lion, David killed a bear to protect the sheep. The same way that Jesus says he will leave the 99. He will risk everything that he has to go chase after the one. He won't protect them even though they need it. He will leave them. He will risk their lives to go after the one. Jesus says we should do the same thing. We should risk it all to chase after God. We should risk it all to chase after the one person who doesn't know him. So why did Jesus risk it? It's simple. Jesus loves the one. Jesus loves that one so much that he says, you are worth me chasing after you. The same way that we should be too. See, I've got three main points that I want us kind of to hinder on today, um, to kind of focus on. And they all fall under the category of God loves us. So the first one is God loves us no matter where we are. Everyone say, no matter where. There we go. So God loves us no matter where we are. And if you look back at the story of the sheep, God says to go after the sheep, no matter where it is. And when you find it, you rejoice. In the same way, we are supposed to go after the sheep, no matter where it is. No matter where we were, God loved us. And it isn't just based off your age, based off if you're rich or you're poor. It's based off how far you are to God. Because while we were still running away from God and not choosing him, not chasing him, he chose us. He chased after us. He ran after us. 
He pointed at you and said, I choose you. Before we even knew his name, before we even knew anything about him. See, we're about to be looking at the crucifixion here in a moment. And most of the time when you talk about the crucifixion, you talk about Jesus, right? Um, But we're going to be talking about a man named Barabbas. Everyone say Barabbas. So for those of you that don't know Barabbas, I'm going to give a little backstory. So when Jesus was set to be crucified, or I guess was in prison at the time, um, it was going to be a Jewish holiday called the Passover Festival. Now, it was tradition back then that when multiple people were in prison or incarcerated, whatever, they would let one of them go. So Jesus has just been taken by the, the, the people and is in prison, and Pilate says, hold on, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting something. So Jesus is set to be crucified on this day with another guy named Barabbas. So Barabbas, if you don't know who that is, he was a murderer. He led a rebellion, led an insurrection, like basically the polar opposite of Jesus. Like you have two completely different people here set on the same day to go through the same punishment. But because of the festival and the tradition of the time, one of them was set free. So we hear and we read in Matthew 27, verse 15, it says, Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who was called the Messiah? Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who was called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why, what crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead of an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So that's a deep, deep bit of scripture there. Um, So we see this picture painted of Pilate, who was the governor of the area, and has Jesus on one side and Barabbas on the other, says, who do you want me to set free? And the crowd yells, Barabbas, let Barabbas go. And I always have the same question again, why did Jesus let that happen, right? It's Jesus. He could have performed any miracle there to show who he was, but he said, no, let Barabbas go. So I came with two realizations here. The first one is that The reason that Jesus let Barabbas go is because Jesus knew what God's plan was for him. Jesus knew that God's plan for Jesus was to go to be crucified, was to go and do this for us, right? Um, Jesus was crucified for us for our future so we could have our eternity with God, so we could spend our lifetime with God. Um, And the second is this, that Jesus let Barabbas walk because Jesus loved Barabbas. And it's such a crazy thought to me that Jesus was willing to do this for Barabbas because Barabbas wasn't a good dude, right? Like we heard all that Barabbas did. He was a murderer, led a rebellion. Like Barabbas represented nothing of what Jesus was about, yet Jesus let him go. And the more that I read on this and the more that I prayed about it and really thought about it, I realized I'm Barabbas in this story, that we are Barabbas in this story, that every day we stand up there and Jesus says, I'll take your punishment. Um, 
Every day we wake up and we sin, we wake up and we mess up, and we don't follow what God's plan is for us. But Jesus says, I'll take your punishment. I'll take your pain. I'll take what you deserve because I love you. Because I love you. So the next uh, point that I have us touching on is that God loves us no matter who we are. There we go. No matter who we are. Everyone say no matter who. There we go. So thing about the story is Jesus didn't care who Barabbas was. Jesus didn't care what Barabbas had done. Jesus cared about his heart. Jesus looked at him and said, you are a representation of my father, of God. I love you. I will do this for you. See, Barabbas had committed crimes worthy of death, and yet Jesus paid the penalty for him. The same way that we have committed crimes against God, we have committed sins against God, and Jesus paid the penalty for us. There are a lot of similarities between us and Barabbas. I mean, how many, how many times do we see ourselves up there with God, and God is saying, I'm going to do this for you, and we don't even turn and thank him. So it doesn't necessarily say in the Bible um, what Barabbas did after. Um, he's never really brought up in the Bible again. But I like to believe, or just kind of like to think that, like, when they said Barabbas free, he didn't turn around and thank God. That doesn't say it in the Bible. He didn't thank Jesus. He kept walking thinking, yeah, all the people love me. They let me go. They like me more than him. In reality, that's not the case. Jesus let Barabbas go. The people didn't let Barabbas go. And how many times do we mess up and not even think twice about what God did for us? How many times do we mess up and not even think anything about it? Instead, we think, yeah, people love me. I'm the coolest. Everyone loves me. See, the next point I want to touch on is that God loves us no matter what we have done. Everyone say, no matter what. See, there's nothing that we can say or do that'll keep us out of God's love, that'll keep us away from God's love. And that is such an impactful thing for us. It doesn't matter how much we mess up. It doesn't matter how big the mistake, how big the regret. It doesn't matter what it is. God is always going to love us. God is always going to choose us. God is always going to fight for us. God is always going to leave the 99 for us. And God tells us to love people the same way. And I can say right now that there are some things that you could do to me that I wouldn't love you anymore. I'm just being honest. There are a bunch of things you could do to me, but I'm not God. This is what God commands of us. This is what God asks of us, but we don't do it. And at the same time, God knows we're not going to be able to. God knows we're going to fall short, which is why he sent Jesus to die for us, which is why he sent Jesus to go through the resurrection to die for our sins. See, the, we are not defined by our past. We are not defined by our shame. We are defined by our Savior. We are defined by God. We are no longer the sinful one. We are the child of God. I'm no longer Tyler the whatever. I'm Tyler the son of God. The same way that you are a child of God. See, Jesus had your future in mind when he went and died for you. It's why he did it. Because Jesus looked at the future and said, I know what I have in store for you. I know what I have going on. I know what's going to happen in the future is to spend eternity with him in heaven. That's what God was focused on. See, the world is going to keep telling you to look at your past. The world's going to keep telling you to look at your mistakes. They're going to keep reminding you of all the things you have messed up doing. And if we continue to focus on that, continue to look at our mistakes, we'll get trapped in that. We'll get trapped in our failures. We'll get trapped in our shame. 
and it soon it leads to depression it'll lead to pain it'll lead to so many things if we continue to look at our past and focus on that but jesus says to do one thing which is to look at the future which is to look at eternity with me look at that day where we are face to face run towards that go towards that that's why jesus did what he did so we could have that day so we could have that freedom so we could have that time where jesus and us are face to face and we get to spend eternity with him see jesus knew our lives were eternal that's why he did what he did we don't recognize that sometimes we don't think of that we don't always wake up and really decide to remember that because we get so caught up in life and so caught up in our mishaps and our mistakes that we forget all about what comes next so i'm going to show you guys a little illustration here with this rope so i want you guys to imagine that this rope goes on forever okay that it you know wraps around the world goes wherever like doesn't end um i want you guys to focus on this little part right here so this little white part on the rope this is your time on earth this entire rope is going to be your your a timeline of your existence this little white part right here is your time on earth the rest of it is what happens after that right now the bible tells us that what we do in this little time on earth what we do in this little time can affect everything over here right and we find ourselves getting so caught up in this little part right here right like we say i'm going to work so hard here and save so much money so i can you know do whatever here at the end of my life why does this matter like you need to put it in perspective what all we are going for here there's so much more than this little part right here but it's so easy for us to stay focused on this like it really blows me away that people can just focus so much on this little part here and forget about the rest that goes on after. See, recently, with a few decisions I've made, I've had some people tell me like, hey, you're stupid. Decisions you made are gonna affect you right here. I'm over here like, no, you're stupid. My decisions are affecting me here, right? Like, they're gonna change my life. They're gonna change what happens after death, what happens after that. Because that's what we need to be focusing on, is this day right here. I know you can't really tell, but there's a little blue piece of tape right here at the end. I know you can't tell because it's so small. That's the day where we stand face to face with God. That's the day where we get to look at God and he says, all right, how did you do? That is where we can tell if our life was lived with regret or with reward. If our life was lived pursuing God, chasing after God, or if it was lived a completely different way. See, I don't know about y'all, but I want to live my life running towards that day. I want to live my life sprinting towards that day. Think of a track runner, right? Track runner's job is to get there as fast as he can, to get there with nothing else in front of him, just to run as quick as he can. What's the fastest way to do that? To run straight. Because as soon as you start veering off, going diagonal, back and forth, you're wasting time. You're running out of time. I want to run straight at that goal. I want to run straight at that day where I can honestly say that I did well, where God can look at me and say, here is your reward. Because our reward that we get from this time right here outweighs any reward we could get during this time. God's reward goes on forever. God's reward 
takes up all this time and just keeps going and keeps going. God's love doesn't end when we die. God's love ends when this rope ends, which, if you remember, it goes on forever. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.